Don't worry, or don't worry too much. The fantasy is, and I think this is brought about by a little bit to do... <laughs> Some people still struggling with second-hand embarrassment. That's really cool. I think it's a bit to do with my personality. I think it's a little bit to do perhaps with my faith. It's definitely to do with my faith. It's perhaps it's to do with my extrovert-introvert disconnect struggle. It's probably to do, maybe a little bit to do with my job as well. Here's, here's the fantasy. It's to be, and it's, it's a lot duller than maybe you're thinking the direction I might be heading towards. It's to be a hidden Christian. That's the weird place that a pastor lets his mind sneak off towards. Just to be a, and do, yeah, but before you dismiss it as a fantasy, just think about it as a Christian. Think about your Christian journey. Nobody to challenge you with a sermon. Nobody to say to you, we've got to evangelize, that horrible word evangelize. We've got to go out and talk about our faith. Nobody to tell us that our faith is an offense. Never having to worry about that, just keep it on the law. Nobody to tell us that what we believe is baloney. Just to hide it all away. This is this is the, perhaps by the seaside, I'd probably include, I seem to be often when I end up there, I'm by the seaside. This is the fantasy, to be alone, to be away, and to be hidden. I think, so maybe you've dismissed it, just think about that for a second. I think Christianity is a journey of calculated exposure. And I think it's that for, I don't know that it's that for everybody, but I wonder if it's that for everybody. How much of this thing that I believe that asks me to do certain things can I reveal and survive at work? And how little of it can I reveal and still dare to call myself a Christian? I think this tension, I would guess, could be wrong, good people of Cutsack and surrounding area, but I would guess this might well be all of us. The disciples started off, just think about the early disciples. There's loads of stories of them with my fantasy, hiding away. Peter, denying his faith. Disciples hiding in rooms. Have you seen the little fish that the disciples used to draw? It was like a covert operation. How much of this am I going to give away before somebody beats me up or slags me off? And yet the word for today is that as Christians, we should be visible. God says in his word, Jesus repeats, we are to be children, I think we said it in one of the songs, we are to be children of light. We are to live in the light. We are to be in community with each other. It's all to be seen, we're to go into the world. This is the challenge. So what I want to talk about for the next 15, 20 minutes is what, what that light looks like. What it asks of us, that's another thing I want to talk about. What the light looks like, what it asks of us, why we're going to want to switch it off, why we've probably wanted it wasn't there in the first place, but why we really need to switch it on. Why it's got to be on. Perhaps even why it's always going to stay on. So there's, there's four points. This is one of them sermons. It's going to be like that. It's going to be like that. We're going to hit you with it all. This is what the light is. There's more to the light, but in this little um, part of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gives, we're going to talk about four things we see in that light. The first thing that we see is that it's us. The light's us. We transmit it. Jesus says to us, and just hold on and let this wash over you for a second. People with fantasies like me fill your boots with fear. You are 
The light of the world, Jesus says. You are the light of the world. It's you. How does that play out? What does that mean for this light? Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount. This is the Sermon on the Mount. This is, this is in terms of how we understand the Bible, for anybody who wants to get to the bottom of the Bible, this is a huge, pivotal moment. This is a huge, big deal. He doesn't just accidentally end up a hill, Jesus, when he gives this sermon. This is a significant moment. This is a pivotal moment in the Bible's history. Moses has been up a hill before. It was hugely shaping for the people's view of God. He went up the hill. There were the 12 tribes of Israel waiting there in the valley. And he came down with God's words. Came down with God's ways and God's laws. And Jesus goes up the hill with his 12 disciples waiting in the valley and people watching. And he explains, and it's beautiful. Go home and read Matthew 5-7. to He takes the law. He takes what we've experienced to God and he explains the heart of it. It's a revelation about who God is. It's the heart of God. It's the heart of the commands. So he says things like, you've heard it being said, don't commit adultery. Don't, Don't kill. And Jesus says, even anger, even lust is is more ruinous than you know. Even that breaks God's heart. Even that's not in with this law. You've heard about heaven, that place that we end up. Jesus explains, heaven's not just something that we think about in the future. Heaven is is that, but that in the future, that reality affects how we live. Now, he opens up this law. Now, who does he open it up to? This is the critical point, I think. This is where it bunches out to us. This talk that reshaped the world, he doesn't call together the Greek philosophers. He doesn't grab hold of the Roman leaders. Read it in the text, start of chapter 5. It's just those ordinary, eclectic people that dropped all their stuff and followed him. That's who it is. This is the people. It amazes me when you look at this image. Ultimately, this starts with the sun, the original light. But do you see how it just branches out into this beautiful array? That's us. This is the challenge for us. This is us. Jesus says to us in Cass, us in Ponte, us in Wakey, us wherever we live, it's you. It's you when you hear my words. And you put them into practice. It's you when you hang your life and your values on what I offer you. It's you that becomes the light. You pierce out into the world. I, I originate it, but it, it's seen in you. When you make your treasure in something that's not just so immediate that's popped up in front of your eyes, but it's something deeper. When you build good foundations. When you live in light of the holy. This is the first thing that I want to say to you. The light is seen in us. We, I think the most technical term I could get, it's somewhere between transmit, transmit and refract. This light is seen. This amazing light that has changed the world, that has shaped the world, is seen in us. That's the first thing. The second thing is, we can't hide it. This light cannot be hidden. Jesus said next, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Town built on a hill cannot be hidden. The imagery was towns in these, in these days were built on the hillsides. More often than not, they're built on the hillsides. And because you need to see, 
people invented these wee lamps, and even though they're just tiny wee lamps, they're not LEDs and glaring great big spotlights, you could see these towns for miles and miles and miles. You couldn't hide them. There's this sort of imagery that comes into your mind. You've got two people walking along, making their way. One guy wants to bob off at a town. Another guy doesn't want to go there. And the other guy goes, I think, I think we need to go that way. And he says, oh, no, there's, there's nothing over there. The other guy looks at him like, what? Look, that's the city. You can't, you can't hide a city. You can't hide it. It's not that you don't want to. You can't hide the city. I'm not a big flyer. Not a flyer at all, not a big fan, but one of the things that I loved when I dared look out the window, you wonder how these pilots are going to pilot these planes and know where they're going to go. You just look down and you go, those lights, there's Nottingham, there's Leicester. If I head up between there, if I'm off to Leeds, I'm kind of going to get it right. You can't hide these cities. This was one of London's problems, I guess, in the Blitz. All these officers going round, if you know the story of the Blitz, going round telling everybody they've got to put their lights out. That's, a, that's the toughest gig in the whole world, isn't it? We're going to try and hide this city. How can you hide this city? The people who built the city of London, the people who planned it and created it, didn't have in mind in any of their planning meetings that they should need to ever hide it. They were thinking about how we could make this city great, how we could make this city known, how we could light it up, how people would notice it, how it would function, how it would work. Never did it cross their minds that they'd think about how they would need to hide it. Here's the lesson. If we really believe what Jesus says. If we call it faith, if it's belief for us, if we, if we believe what he said was truth, that is the truth. You can't cover it up in the end. You can't cover it up. You can't hide it. It's going to bear out. It's going to bear out in the end. It reminds me of the days, as I was thinking about this, when the health and safety people used to come uh, to the mill that I used to work in. Um, Normally, my granddad, who was the manager of the mill, would just head them off at the pass. He'd just stop them in his tracks. He'd offer them a nice cup of tea and a bit of cake. He was, he was, it was old school. Then one day, a different health inspector came along, who we didn't know, and he couldn't head him off at the pass. And he came running in to see me. And he said, Ashley, very sternly, so some of, some of the DG felts, the factory that I used to work in, some of, some of the machines were... They, well, they wouldn't have passed any of these health and safety tests, some of them. They were big, old, like, like you see in Wallace and Gromit, if you've ever seen Wallace and Gromit. My granddad came running in, he said, you need to hide the chopper. You need to hide, the chopper is just this beast of a machine. It's like twice the size of me, height, length, everything else, flashing lights everywhere, huge, big, crunching, chopping sound. He comes rushing in, he says, you need to hide that. So I grabbed a sheet, I threw it over the top. I couldn't even switch it off, health and safety guy comes in. Sees this weird-looking, ghostly-looking machine. It wasn't made to be hidden. Nowhere in the designer's thoughts was this something that was supposed to be hidden, something that was supposed to do a job. If you really believe what Jesus says, it bears out. If you know, deep down in your heart, despite the fact that you've made a bunch of mistakes, if we know collectively us as a bunch, if we can reflect and go, man, we, we have done some stuff between us. I don't know how many people are here, maybe 50 or 60, I don't know, maybe a few less, something like that. We all collectively put all that stuff together, man. We have thought some terrible, horrible things in our private moments. And we can know all that. 
And we can know an all-powerful, holy God sees all that. And yet we can know that he forgives it, all of it, completely forgiven in Jesus Christ. We have an eternity of slate being cleaned that we do not deserve. How, how can that not bear out in us? If we've been forgiven like that, how can we not forgive? If we know, if we know by faith that God is the master builder, if we think and are convicted in our hearts that he created this thing, and we know that storms come in life, how will it not bear out that we're going to build good foundations? Real foundations. Not flimsy foundations, but real faithful foundations. This stuff bears out. The light can't go out. The other thing, not just, not just can it not go out and it bears out, it doesn't make any sense to hide it. This is the next thing Jesus says. No one hides their light under a bowl. It doesn't make any sense to hide your light under a bowl. There's this idea. Um, so this is, I don't know if you can see that. This is a picture of the kind of lamps that they would have used. Having seen them, I think they look really beautiful. There might be a bit of a health and safety risk looking at them just now, but they're a beautiful, ornate little bowl. If you're going to go to the trouble to grab the bowl, I don't think oil costs as much in these days. These are oil-filled lamps. You're going to grab the oil. It's a finite resource. If you're going to go to all that faff of lighting it, you're not going to hide it away. Darkness was a real pain in the neck in these times. There weren't lights everywhere like there is now. You've got a light, you're going to make use of it. That's what Jesus is saying. It's idiotic. If you're, going to, if you're going to go to the trouble of filling up this ornate little vase and then lighting it, knowing that you might get, I don't know, a couple of hours out, out of it and then hide it under a bushel. Jesus says, you've got something essential in this light. You've got something critical in this light. You've got something life-changing in this light that you know about, these ways that you know about. It is crazy. It is crazy for you to cover them up. Uh, my mum, and I thought for a second she might come tonight, so I nearly had to drop this anecdote. And praise the Lord, she hasn't come, so I can tell you this anecdote. Uh, my mum finds odd uses for objects around the house, really quite odd uses for objects around the house. And she kind of just goes with the flow of things, my mum. She just kind of responds to, to the moment. And anyone, maybe as few people as I'm thinking, maybe been to our house, maybe, maybe know the layout of our house, my mum's house rather. And just next to the back door, which is where everybody comes in, mum keeps pantry and, well, the pantry's there. She doesn't keep it there. do not move about, but the pantry is there. And on top of the pantry is the microwave. Now in the microwave, my mum keeps, keeps things in the microwave. She keeps things for people that will come to the door in the microwave. That's her system. Now this might be, I don't know if anybody else has done this, and I've looked on the internet, it's actually a bit of a thing. People do do this. Now can you imagine, it's kind of one thing doing that. But can you, can you imagine the moment when I say to my mum, I'd really like to have something to eat. Really like to make something to eat. My mum says, "Well, I don't want you to use the microwave because it's. I don't want you to mess around with it. It's not near the plug. The microwave. Mum keeps the microwave in the corner near the door. But now it's become essential to keep the items in, so we don't keep it plugged in. So there's a day I go to my mum's house, and we've got this. Inc- this is microwaves. I can Google them. It's an incredible bit of kit. 
You can have, and this was my first, I was like, mum, you can have beef stroganoff. You can have fine cuisine. Just nick it out of the fridge. You can have it there in one minute, 50 seconds. It can take your cooking time down to no more than 10 minutes a week. This is an amazing thing. Apple strudel is 10 seconds. This is crazy brilliant technology. It cooks it from the inside out. It just blows your mind. This is technology that people think aliens dropped off because it's so cool. And my mom, God love her, keeps the Avon book in there. Keeps the Avon book in case the Avon person comes around. What a crazy waste of technology. And to top it all off, at least twice in my life as a teenager, the Avon lady did come around. And it was me that answered the door, opened the door, got to press the button, ping, out comes the Avon book. Absolute madness use of technology. It's an amazing light, isn't it? We have got something that is in us. Amazing. Amazing light that we have in us. And Jesus says to us, it makes no sense for you to have this in your hearts, for you to have received this and then cover it up. It makes no sense at all. It makes no sense in a world that's so dark and you don't share the light. A world that places so much value on popularity, appearance and status right now, it's making us all sick. A world that's dark. I'd say it's dark to do that. It makes us all ill. We're all struggling with it under the weight of it. It makes no sense for us to have this light and not share the joy of a Savior who loves us just as we are. He loves the bones of us without us having to prove anything to anybody. Jesus says, it's crazy for you to have that light and live in a world that's so dark and not share it about. It's crazy to live in a world that says all that matters is acquiring stuff and having that stuff now and know that an awesome, deeper, more meaningful treasure exists and just keep that to yourself. It doesn't make any sense to do that. It makes no sense to have an eternal hope, an eternal hope, and just talk about Love Island all the time. Good as it is, if you watch it. I don't know if it's good, I don't watch it. It makes no sense. Why do we have hope? We have hope because the light bears out. It bears out. It didn't go out. I was watching in preparation for this, and because I enjoy the odd geeky moment of um, sciencey stuff, uh, Brian Cox, I don't know if you know Brian Cox, the guy from D-Ream, also a, I think a quantum physicist or something like that. He, um, he does a lot about light, some really interesting stuff about light. And a little documentary I watched, he had a little old long-wave radio with him, and he was sat in the Sahara Desert, which seems like a bit of an expensive shoot to me. But he turned it on, and you heard all the crackling static and he, in a very excitable voice, says, this crackling is, we are hearing the light from the dawning of time. From, he didn't use that language. He talked about the origin of our universe. That light, what we can hear, crackling away. And my heart as a Christian, he's not intending this at all, perhaps. I don't know. My heart's just beating 
I'm not prone to easy hallelujahs. I get there in the end with a hallelujah, but I was like, yes. And he said, the original light, I couldn't believe it when he said it, you should watch the documentary, it's all around us now. The light that was at the beginning, we see it all around us now. I'm like, yes, amen. God said in the beginning, let there be light. And there was light. God said, I'm going to give a light that shows who I am and the way through to all the peoples of the world. He says, and he wraps this in, in promise language, I promise you, all nations are going to be able to see this light. I'm going to find a way. They're going to see it like the stars in the sky. They're going to see it like the dawn of a new day. It's irresistible. And then Jesus comes out of darkness with a light above where he was born. And I don't know much about the early days, but as soon as he gets going, he begins to shine. Actually, the way that he lives and the words that he said are repeatedly described as being like light. He lives like a light. And when John assesses him in his gospel, he writes this, Jesus, in him was life. That life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness can't overcome it. The darkness, in terms of Jesus, and this is the beauty, and this is the tipping point for all of us, didn't overcome it. Even when death surrounded him, even when everybody cleared off and left him, and he was getting beaten up and hung out to dry, light emitted from his character. He spoke words of life. Father, forgive him. What? Light emitted from him. He washed his disciples' feet, soaked in gentleness to the end, emitting light. Even in death, the Roman centurion says, surely this was the Son of God. And then he died, and he rose again, and the light that was there I think the New Testament almost describes it like it catches fire. You think it's going to go out with his death. It doesn't. It radiates. It spreads across his people. And the life of Jesus and the light that he shed carries on to the extent that 2,000 years later, I can mix up with you lot. And I've got people in the group who care for my well-being, care for my soul, will be gentle and kind to me. Not because I'm nice, but because Jesus has put light in them and it's not gone out. And it's still not gone out. This is why we have hope. The last thing that light is, it's a lovely end to this little story that Jesus gives. It illuminates. It radiates. Jesus says, instead, if you've got a light, what do you do with this light? You don't put it under a bowl. You put it on a stand so that everybody can see the light. The imagery is of a a room in New Testament times, owner of the house has got the little lamp out and walking around with it. Do you know that way when you've got your mobile phone? I use my mobile phone in the loft. You can just see what's right in front of you, almost killing yourself all the time. You put the phone in somewhere reasonable, hang it from the ceiling, you can see everything. That's the imagery Jesus is giving off here. Find somewhere to put that light where everybody can see it. Raise it up and then everybody can see it. And you can imagine... Um, everybody just thinking, yeah, when we put the light on its stand, we've got, um, we 
Edna in the corner doing a cross stitch she couldn't see before, but she can see now. The two kids in the corner that were hiding in the dark, we didn't even know they were there. We can see everybody now. It illuminates. If you elevate God's ways, how on earth can we reach a lost world? How can we reach a world that doesn't seem to really care? Jesus says, put your light up high. Elevate it. Make it significant in your life. Make it an important thing in your life. And maybe you're thinking in this moment, I don't know that that's going to cut it for me. don't know if I'll be able to do it. don't know if anyone will see it. I'm going to tell you about one way. So this is one way that I'd say of many ways that this, this can work. So, um, and it's the idea of our light being something that's gentle. Shane, when he talked last week, talked about Jesus being gentle and lowly. It was like an awesome little message. If you've not listened to it, listen back. This idea of a gentle savior reaching out into the world. The Sermon on the Mount teaches gentleness. Read between the lines of the Sermon on the Mount. One of the teachings in it is that we are to be gentle. Turn the other cheek, forgive, love our enemies, be gentle people. The Apostle Paul says to us in his instructions to Christian life, something that bruised me for ages. I can't do it. Can't do it very well. Do it occasionally. Let your gentleness be evident to all. So ask my kids. I'm, I'm quite gentle in and around the house with all the people that love me. I'll be, I'm soft as. But that's in my house. In front of everybody else, what happens? You can't be like that in the real world, can you? You can't be that soft, that nice, that forgiving. Apostle Paul says, let your gentleness be evident to all. He says, Elevate it. Take it up higher. Two characters from history that show you the power of that. don't know if you've heard of a guy called Desmond Dross. Have you heard of Desmond Dross? Maybe not. Maybe you've heard of Hacksaw Ridge, the film Hacksaw Ridge, about the guy who's probably a pacifist who goes... And says all the way through, I'm not, I'm not going to shoot anybody, I'm not going to kill anybody. He's this gentle, soft as a brush character. If you watch the film and read anything about him, he's gentle all the way through his life. He does incredible things. He saves, pulls, I don't know, 20, 30 soldiers off, off of this hacksaw ridge. Gentleness. Doesn't carry a rifle. And I guess he saved all those fellas up there, influenced loads of people listening to his story. But after the movie came out, you've got... The country of America thinking again about what it means to be a patriot, what it means to be a human being, what it means to be a soldier. And the power of gentleness. It's a light that beams out. Another chap called Henry Dunant. These guys are both Christians, both moved by Christ. Henry Dunant, he walked around the battlefields, I think it was Spain, in 1850s, 1860s, something like that. Just saw the battles were they're always brutal, aren't they? But they're just brutal battles. And he's logging all this, and he's observing all this, and he's seen bodies piled up. He's seen people hanging on for dear life, people in the last throes of their life dying. He sees this, and he thinks, this people needs care. Both of these sides need care. What this needs is gentleness. This needs a separate body to come in and care for everybody. Gentleness to all. It's not going to work if you've just got medics on one side or the other. You need somebody who looks at it and goes, I need to be gentle to all. He went back and wrote about all this. And a couple of years later, there was the birth of the Red Cross, which I think is now is the British Red Cross, which has done 
an incredible amount of good over the last 150, 200 years. Thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of people caused to look at the Red Cross and go, wow, look at that gentleness in action. People who elevated their light. One of our core convictions at Christchurch, and I say it, we keep saying these core convictions, and we don't say them like, yeah, we've nailed this. We keep needing to say, as hopefully I um, demonstrate, we've not nailed this. I haven't nailed this. But this is our conviction. We want to be some element of Christ that is seen in this world. So we literally, and Paul Howell used to tell me to do this all the time, keep the lights on as often as you can. If you're in church, put the lights on, even though the electric shooting up. Keep the lights on. We want people to see. We want to literally be a people that are seen. But more than that, beyond that, we want to be a people who elevate the love of Jesus in our hearts. Hopefully, we aim to be a people that doesn't just have events, doesn't just do stuff in the church environment. Hopefully, as a church body, we're always challenged that this stuff needs to be seen in the broader world. We try and be a church where God's light is not only lit, but it's seen by all other people. God's light. He lit it. It stayed a light. And it won't go out. Go out there, if you can, in Jesus' name, and be light to other people.